You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we have a guest on the show. She's been on the show before, maybe a couple of times, and in my opinion, we still haven't had her on enough yet. So it is my friend, Darlene Marshall. And Darlene, one of the things I love about Darlene is that even if I don't get to talk to her, I get to hear her on a regular basis because I listen to her podcast called Better Than Fine. And if you are not a listener, please go check it out, Better Than Fine. Welcome, my friend, my guest, Darlene Marshall. Hey, Darlene. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, You know I love having you on this show. You know, I love being on the show. I think this is the three-peat. It is. Okay. All right. I felt like I felt like it was something special today. More special even than previous times. So yes, very good. Welcome. Welcome back. Uh, on previous episodes, we we talk about kind of what your strong suits are, which is wellness in general. So wellness, well-being. And as it even says in your podcast where you talk about uh, fitness, wellness, well-being, relationships, our own minds. So I want to talk to you about your show a little bit, and I want you to just talk to everybody, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, your background, your story, all the things. Oh, where to start? All of the things? All the um, things. Listen, I know you're not liking this question, <laughs> and, but you knew it was coming. Because when you said, what are we going to talk about? I said you, and you were like, ah! <laughs> okay, fine. Well, let me start, start with the beginning of your question, which was talk about the show, which is kind of the easy button to talk about. So the show, as you mentioned, the show is called Better Than Fine. And it's kind of a nod to one of the foundational ideas of positive psychology, which is, as you know, a deep passion of mine, the science of human well-being, which is th- this foundational idea that the absence of the bad things in our lives is not the same as the presence of the good things, which having had a decade in the fitness and wellness space, you know, early in my career as a personal trainer, I, I really focused on during my movement assessments, whatever was wrong. Like that's how I sold the beginning of my training. It's really was my focus was like, okay, corrective exercise. I'm a rock star at mitigating for challenges. And it was also a way that I approached my own life. And somewhere along the line, that wasn't enough. I was languishing, which is that that neutral space between like, you're not really suffering, but you're not necessarily thriving. Uh, that's that, that word like, oh, I'm fine. And I'd spent probably a couple of years at fine. And someone in my life suggested that I take a course in happiness uh, that was based in positive psychology. And uh, it was Lori Santos's uh, free Coursera course out of Yale, The Science of Happiness. And it really changed changed my life. It changed my day-to-day behaviors. It changed my perspective. And it also changed how I was training and coaching my clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that the show is a nod to that moment in my life that I really made the commitment that fine, like being fine, wasn't who I wanted to be when I grew up. All right. Well, listen, yeah. I, I I want to say, first of all, to, to reintroduce you to everyone, this is Darlene Marshall. And Darlene, I was listening to your podcast recently. And um, on the show, you were talking about some really exciting things to come, 
but you didn't say <laughs> what you didn't say you didn't say what those things were you just said this is very exciting things to come so i don't know if this is a place where you feel like perhaps sharing any of those exciting things that you did not release on your own podcast. No, I haven't yet, but let's say I'm on yours. Uh, <gasps> yes. I, I like sharing. <laughs> I like maybe oversharing a little bit on the show. <laughs> um, but the thing that I was alluding to is that Better Than Fine is going to now be an NASM podcast. So it's coming over to the NASM channel. Welcome Woo! to the NASM podcast network, Better Than Fine and Darlene Marshall. Ha-cha-cha. Pretty stoked. Um, I'm really excited. And the good <laughs> thing is like I already listened to your podcast anyway, so it's good. But now I'm like, okay, and I'm on brand while doing so. So I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm a little overwhelmed. Um, in So I mentioned I have a master's in applied positive psychology. I studied at the University of Pennsylvania, and it's not uncommon for people entering that program to feel kind of overwhelmed and have a lot of imposter syndrome for being what we call ourselves masters, because it is, it's a, it's a unique program. It's a big deal. And I feel similarly right now to how I felt <laughs> when I started that program. Um, you know, having spent 10 years in the fitness industry, like almost, I gotta, I gotta admit, all, like I passed my first certification exam 10 years ago, like in March, so it's almost a perfect 10 years to when yeah, I first awesome. got certified. And NASM has always been such a big player in the fitness space. And to be at a place where I get to step into this community and, it, and, to, and also to see how much it really is a community has been very meaningful to me, your friendship and the connection that we have built in the time I've been collaborating with NASM. And to now get to share the ideas that the show was built on in this much broader way and in more creative and exciting ways. I'm, I'm, I'm whelmed. <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, I want to ask a question about why the podcast, right? So, um, you know, this is, I have I have a reason why I started the NASM CPT podcast, and I had uh, fortunately a very good uh, relationship with uh, somebody. Several people I know some people at NASM. <laughs> you know some so. people? Can you introduce me? <laughs> so I was able I was able to get in and um, worked with. Greg Esposito, who's no longer here, and now currently Eric Sorensen, who has uh, is our the producer of our shows right now and does an amazing job and highly appreciated. But having the relationship with people who are able to uh, allow this to happen, but there's a story behind why it started, right? So, what is what's your what's your you kind of went into your background, but why why do a podcast? But Rick, I want to hear your story. Is there an episode where we can listen to your story and then I'll tell mine? <laughs> And, and then you'll tell yours? No. <laughs> I have to go first. See, do you like you that? You go first. Reason? That was the coaching redirect that, right there. That was not only the coaching redirect, that was the podcast host part. <laughs> that was like, wait a minute, I'm the host. And then you're like, no. Oh, no, right, I'm right. I'm on your show right now. Well, tit for tat, you're going to have to come back on mine and tell yours. Um, well, much like you had a network, I have one too. And I, I was very lucky as I continued my journey through learning about positive psychology and the science of well-being, that there were people who really believed in me, not just believed in me, but expressed that belief to me. Uh, one of those people, her name is Mika Opp. Um, she has a background in the entertainment industry. 
And she was one of my advisors in graduate school. And she, it's funny, I remember this moment. I was driving from New York City up to my hometown where I now live, about three hours north of the city. And I spent the entire drive on the phone with Mika while she was giving me kind of like a reprogramming of my perspective on myself. I was in a moment of imposter syndrome, uh, feeling a bit lost because I am one of the few fitness professionals to have gotten a master's in positive psychology. And there are lots of people in positive psychology in business and education. And, and if they want, they kind of have a, a track, <laughs> but there isn't really one for fitness professionals. And I also, like many people in the fitness industry, I used to be an actor. I'm a recovering actor. So I have this communication skill set as well. Here, here. I know I'm in good company on that one. And to be encouraged by someone I deeply respected to take all of these disparate interests and all of these disparate, seemingly disparate skill sets and try to weave them together. And that I have a lot to say, I'm a talkative person. And she really was nudging me toward podcasting. Hmm. And it's funny because I've for a long time have thought like, oh, I would, I would love to have a talk show. I'd love to have like a call-in show. I want to be like, like the wellness Dan Savage. Uh, and, hmm. and that was really what finally nudged me over the edge was this person who I respected pushing me to try something different. And I didn't know where it would go, but I really like doing it. And I got you know a positive reception from many people. But underneath that is also the recognition that in the positive psychology world, vitality is kind of going, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got a body, you should probably take care of it. And as <laughs> much as it's well-intentioned, it's kind of like shrugged off. And then on the fitness side, it's like, oh yeah, 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 positivity. It should be a positive experience, sure, sure. And that's kind of nudged in that way. It's like, no, there's this middle ground where these two bodies of science and evidence come together in a way that catalyzes what I think I talked about my first time on this show, which is upward spirals Yes, power of all of the momentum that is gained when you have a positive emotional experience, you are taking care of your wellness and well-being, you're moving well, you're eating well, you're sleeping, you're managing your stress those things catalyze in a way. And so for me, the show has felt like an expression of calling and purpose because it is an overlap of so many things that I feel strongly about and so many skill sets that I've invested in over the last few decades of my life. Yeah, I think you had, you've, you've had Mika on your show several times, yeah? No, Mika's never come on the show. No. Um, okay. We've trained, we've planned it a couple of times. Maybe now Mika, if you're listening, come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked about her on the show quite a bit. Maybe that's um, what but, it is. Maybe yeah, I've heard her name yeah. on the show before. Probably. Um, all right. So uh, again, everyone, this is Darlene Marshall and she's the host of the better than fine podcast and which will be joining the NASM podcast network. I'm really Ooh. excited about it. Not just for Darlene. I'm excited about it for all y'all. So you get to now, Kind of be introduced to Darlene, but as a part of the NASM family, she is a NASM CPT. She is a certified wellness coach through the NASM program, and she also helped to author some of that content. But I want to go back to Better Than Fine for just a moment because you're kind of about to hit a landmark of sorts on Better Than Fine. What do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Uh, not what? even of sorts. Um... 
I, my first episode on the NASM network will be our hundredth episode. Yeah. 100. How much time have you put into all of this process? Like putting together the podcast, putting it up, getting people kind of like letting people know about it, marketing it in certain ways. Like what's all, what, what goes into it? I, ooh, how many hours I definitely could not say in terms of what's gone into it between brainstorming episodes, writing scripts, um, even if they're just bullet points, right? You still want to mm. have organized ideas. There is the, you know, making my guest comfortable and then obviously the actual interview. I will confess, I am very excited to have our producer, Eric, working on my show because one of my dirty secrets is how little I actually edit because I'm not very good at it. And I find it to be a very frustrating process. So I think one of the biggest improvements of the show will be Eric's presence in the show. <laughs> uh, there, there's no doubt about that. As, as this is not only, this, this podcast is not only uh, a podcast, but it's also a video cast. So it's, it goes live on YouTube and Facebook. And he throws in the lower thirds and here's the title of the episode. And here's the name of the guest. And this is their like, like the highlights of some of their stuff. And that all pops up on screen. That's Eric. Eric does all of that stuff. And it really does make it a bit more engaging for the audience. So with that, would I be able to do that if I was on my own podcasting? No, 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 no. So, <laughs> so he does a fantastic job. And it is nice to have somebody on the outside or somebody that you work with in tandem that can really produce the show and make it look and feel right. Yeah, true story. I'd say, you know, I want to caveat that a little bit because I could imagine that there are people who are listening, who hear me talk about my inspiration to start my own show and my different areas of overlap and kind of what I think of as a unique lens that I have brought to the space. But you don't need fancy lighting and a perfect microphone and a producer. You can go out and start your own thing. I'm such a, a deep love for content creation. And if you focus on the message of the things that you want to say to the world, you have this great opportunity to put something out there and embrace that impulse. Not, you know, just because you don't have lower thirds and good editing doesn't mean you can't do it. Like I've been doing it on my own for two years and this grew out of it. And all of the opportunities I've had to contribute to NASM directly came from someone at NASM listening to an episode of Better Than Fine that was a unique viewpoint on something that that person was researching for an NASM project that I then got to work on. So you never know who's going to be listening to your heartfelt, genuine project, that purpose calling that you have to make something, do it because you don't know where it's going to take you. It's very true. It is very true. Now, when it comes to your podcast, I'm going to ask you something, I don't know, maybe a little personal, but... Oh. Like what, what is your favorite thing about your show? My favorite thing about my show, other than the cool stuff I've gotten to do because of my show is probably the guest episodes where I get, I have an excuse to get on and talk to someone that I deeply respect and admire kind of like I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and kind of crack that person open for lack of a better phrase where the 
pretense, you know, so often when you bring on a subject matter expert, they've got talking points and they've rehearsed them. And some of them even have media training. And then when you push past that, you make that person feel so comfortable and open that that melts away and you get to have this genuine conversation. Um, and I recently interviewed Michelle McGonagall, excuse me, whoops, we just combined names. I recently <laughs> interviewed Kelly McGonagall and Michelle McQuaid separately, um, both subject matter experts in different areas in their own right. And they both share these deeply personal stories that after we stopped recording, they admitted they had never shared on camera before, but they hmm. felt so comfortable being on Better Than Fine that they felt like that was an appropriate expression, an appropriate thing to open up about and getting to facilitate for that. Um, I'd say equally, the other thing I really like is when someone's been listening to the show and they reach out to me one way or the other and tell me what it's meant to them, that it allowed them to change in some yeah. meaningful way or accept themselves a little bit more, or they've started taking better care of themselves. Like those, oh, are, those are the most rewarding feedbacks I get. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. That's probably the best part from yeah. from me as well. Just hearing back from people, people reaching out. Uh, it meant a lot that you said this. Thank you for sharing that. I was able to do something because of something you said, and I didn't ever, ever think about it. And you just kind of laid the groundwork for me to see something in another way. And that's the kind of stuff that feels special. Yeah. And I think... To build on that a little bit, you know, I was thinking before, knowing that we were going to interview and I was like, oh, what's he probably going to ask me? And you know, one of the things I've been thinking out about a lot lately is not everyone is so lucky to be able to afford training or coaching mm. or whatever, or even like, I know people who've worked and saved and scrapped to be able to afford, afford their certs, right? But by doing shows like ours, we're putting information out there and making it accessible to some people who maybe otherwise couldn't pay for it. And those people having a leg up to me is probably some of the most meaningful content I put out. Um, and I'm sure that's true for you too, just knowing your values. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Oh, y'all, Darlene Marshall is here with us and she is sharing. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I appreciate that. She is the host of the Better Than Fine podcast. And so when we all just get the question, how you doing? And we go, fine, fine, right? And she, uh, with the purpose of putting information out there that we can take it, use it, and apply it, hello, apply to positive psychology, that we can apply it to our lives and we can live our lives better then fine. She's also a contributor for the NASM Certified Wellness Coach uh, product that's out. And that's why we had her on the podcast maybe uh, like two months ago. And so she came on and talked about that. And we also talked about this. And I want to I have you readdress it for those who weren't there, is you talk about wellness and well-being, even in the opening of your show, you know, fitness, wellness, well-being. Um, so there must be a difference between those two words if you've used both of those words back to back. Can I have you just kind of dig into that a little bit and share us, share with us your thoughts on it? Yeah, this is always a fun one to unpack for us, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty reasonable for people to understand that fitness is probably something to do with your body. It's probably something to do with like exercise and nutrition. 
But I think of that fitness space as being structured. It's toward some kind of end, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to make fitness is the phrase that I always say when I'm going to go work out. <laughs> Whereas wellness is not only a bit more expansive, right? It's about my lifestyle, vitality. It's also a bit about process, being in the process of my wellness. How am I caring for not only my physical self, but my mental wellness, my spiritual wellness, depending on your scope. So there's all of these different aspects of that wellness pie. And I appreciate the, the NASM phrase, the betterment of life. Right? It's a process that I'm engaged in to make my life more better, <laughs> hopefully better than fine. Uh, and then well-being is even bigger than that. And typically I, I lean into Martin Seligman, who's considered to be the founder of positive psychology. He was the first one to go out there and go, yes, it's not just about the negative. Uh, we really need to focus on what builds the good stuff in our lives. Um, so he would define it as PERMA, positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning, accomplishment. And then fortunately, they've bothered to recognize that we have bodies and they've added vitality to that. So PERMA B. But well-being is so much bigger, right? We can have communal well-being. We can have, uh, I, I believe well-being should be a human right, that if we have sufficiently advanced technology and awareness, that why wouldn't we extend it to everyone, these knowings, these learnings that we have around human well-being? And so there is overlap in all of these Venn diagrams. But one of the things I like to highlight is fitness and wellness can be in tandem, but they're not always the same thing. So you can have fitness goals that are of detriment to your wellness. Anybody who's ever cut weight for a fight or been in their last stage of prep for a bodybuilding competition, uh, your wellness can struggle in your achievement of your fitness goal. And I think it's important for fitness professionals to understand that that prioritization equation ultimately being something that they want to take into account for their client and to get clear about what is it we're actually on about. Because if you're focusing on just fitness at the cost, you're eventually going to have diminishing returns because wellness suffers. And that being in our conversation and our equation about what it is we're actually trying to do for ourselves and for our clients. I love this. I love this. And, and and I think you had kind of talked about this before. By the way, I think it's kind of funny where I, I love that you said well-being should be a human right. And I immediately was like, you know, I I, I bet we, we could change the the statement life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to the pursuit of well-being. And it might be far more inclusive. So uh, I, think I think you know what I'm on about there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I so. Um, there's a there's a great quote by Voltaire, and I think that you will appreciate the quote because you kind of talked about it before. Um, and so I just ma I made a note of it and I wanted to circle back around to it, which is perfectionism or perfection is the enemy of good or good enough. Yep. And um, do we do that? We shoot ourselves in the foot sometimes because we're looking for something to be perfect and and, and, and because it's not, we don't even start. Um, and the truth of the matter is when you're learning to walk, you're going to bang your knees up, you're going to bang your butt up. Um, but eventually you're going to be able to walk, right? So the, it, 
there are processes that are in place and we're so fearful for somebody to see us fall sometimes that that we don't get up. Um, how does this perfectionism uh, affect people in sometimes their wellness and their well-being? Um, how does it affect them sometimes in their fitness? And how does it affect you sometimes? Yeah, there's a lot of layers here. Um, mm. the, the first things that jump to mind are research on grit, yeah. uh, Carol Dweck's concept around growth mindset. Uh, and have you ever read The Paradox of Choice by Barry Schwartz? Are you familiar no. with his work? No, yeah. no, no, no. Um, all right, I'm going to go in those orders so we don't lose them. But Dude, Yeah, and I'm looking it up on my Audible right now. <laughs> go, go for it. <laughs> um, so grit, Angela Duckworth's grit. So one of the things, all right. I'm going to nerd out Great for just book. a second. One of the things that I always appreciate when I talk about positive psychology with fitness professionals is a lot of times they've read all of the books, all the books, because fitness professionals love to read the books, but they don't necessarily realize that they're positive psychology books. So Angela Duckworth was my statistics professor at Penn. She is a positive psychology person who's now moved over to, to the Wharton side, to the business school side, but it's partly because she wants to take all of these tools around grit and determination and get them mm. out into some of the most powerful institutions in our modern world, which are corporate entities, right? Where we work. So grit is that tenacity, that resilience, that commitment to your long-term goals, where if something gets in your way, if it's an obstacle, you are going to fail as many times as you possibly have to and fail up by learning from those reps so that you can get to that goal, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And so she studies the, the grittiness, the determination piece, that thing that gets people to keep going so that they can achieve. Yeah. And dovetailed with that is Carol Dweck's concept of a growth mindset, which is in contrast with a fixed mindset. So a fixed mindset person is somebody who believes that everything you achieve in life is due to whatever talents or abilities you naturally were born into. And therefore, if you fail, it's because you aren't actually good at something. So you should just give up. That's a fixed mindset mm. person. But a growth mindset person is the person who that's that kid that keeps just falling over and knocking their knees and getting back up because they're learning forward, right? Our setbacks are opportunities to get a new lesson that carries us forward to whatever we're trying to achieve in our lives. And so they're very... Married concepts. But along with that is also this book I mentioned that you totally should read is The Paradox of Choice by Barry Schwartz. And Barry Schwartz did all of these um, different kind of interesting and creative studies on choice fallacy. The idea that having more options makes us more happy is incorrect because mm -hmm. what it actually does for every additional point of comparison that you have you have a reason to say that the thing you ultimately cho chose isn't good enough. So the more times you swipe right, even if you go on a great date, you're going to be going, ah, but he wasn't as tall as that other guy or ah, he didn't do there. whatever. And we think that, so, so <laughs> the first of these studies was actually on jams in the grocery store. Maybe you've heard of this study where no. if you've only got, I think it's, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, mess up the numbers here, but ride with me. Something like if you only have five different jam flavors, you'll be happy with whatever jam flavor you choose. But if you have 25 <clears throat> jam flavors, you're going to be like, meh, because I could have gotten the strawberry, but I got the pomegranate. Uh, 
<laughs> oh, I can. So we went when I was in high school to the beach and my dad took us to Kmart, I think, to buy straw hats. And there are all these beach straw hats. And we took forever to pick out a hat. And my dad was like, if there were three hats, we would have had this done already. Right. So yep. it's so true. It is absolutely true. Options kind of stall us quite a bit. So I have a similar story about glasses. I've worn glasses since I was seven. And the first time my mom took me to buy glasses, it took me 90 minutes to pick out a pair of glasses. I tried every single yeah. pair on in the store because that's clearly somewhere wired in me. It's wired in all of us. But the where I'm going with this is what Schwartz found in his research that grew out of this choice fallacy was when we're always looking for perfect, we're never really satisfied because it's such an abstract concept that's so unattainable that we're we're looking up, constantly looking up instead of looking at what we've got and feeling good about it. And so he calls those people maximizers. And what he found is that maximizers are way less happy than people who can create a threshold of good enough and feel satisfied. And so when we are able to find our threshold of like, what's good enough? And we go, yep, that's good enough. We can enjoy what we've got and savor it and experience all the positive emotional payoff instead of just looking at it and going, yeah, but it's not perfect. <laughs> and there's a lot more to yeah. it than that. But what I found in myself when I started looking at these concepts was by focusing on my determination, my grittiness, my growth mindsetedness, I was able to instead look at all of the different ways in my life that I have come up short and of which there are many, I could look at this iterative process of this journey of learning and what am I going to learn next? What do I want to try next? And, and that tripping forward instead of like just laying there and giving up and what really is going to satisfy me in a way that allows me to access a positive emotional experience because that positive emotional payoff is worth so much in terms of that grit, that tenacity by letting myself feel a sense of accomplishment. You know, it would be so easy for me to be like, yeah, you know, I did a hundred episodes of the show. Nazem picked me up, but, but I don't have the top wellness podcast yeah. instead of going, this is awesome. This is awesome, right? Like being able to feel that sense of accomplishment and achievement fuels me forward so that I can maybe someday, hopefully be like Rich Ritchie and have a super awesome award-winning podcast. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, um, you're too kind. Well, but you started your podcast within a few months of me starting mine. How easy would it be for me to go, yeah, but I don't have that one, right? Instead, by focusing on what's good enough, what will grow me, what is exciting, I get to step into a day with enthusiasm. Um, and, and one criticism that Schwartz always brings up when he teaches this is it's really easy for people to go, yeah, but satisfying sounds meh, like I want the best. He will caution you to not assume that having a threshold of good enough means that it's not good. Because the people, this is his example, the people who inspect airplanes have a very high threshold for excellence, but if they needed it to be perfect, the plane would never get off the ground. So it doesn't have to be perfect to get us where we want to go. I think you're, I think you're right about that. Uh, I, you know how many times people reach out to me that are new trainers that are afraid to train somebody because they've never trained somebody before. Yeah. 
and yeah. they've gone through the content and they've they've studied, they've passed their NASM. I've had people who have been certified for a very long time that are afraid to train people. And what kind of elicits that fear in in many respects is that it's something you haven't done before. And you know, there's there's somebody they can reach out to, right? So they'll listen to the podcast and it's almost like the more they learn or the more they hear me talk, the farther they seem from where maybe I am or where some of the more advanced fitness professionals are. And then it's like, well, now I'm even farther from my goal than I thought I was. And my response to them is always like, you know, you have, you have one major responsibility to get started. Don't hurt anybody. Like just avoid hurting people. And then your second responsibility is to listen to what they want. Right. And then give them exercises, whether or not you put a program out, you've got to start somewhere. And you're thinking, well, what does my macro cycle and meso cycle and micro cycle look like? And how do I put together all this stuff for six months? And like that, you you haven't even got past the workout first, right? Like the very first workout or the assessment. What do you want to do with these people? You have to ask yourself those questions and then you got to do what makes you uncomfortable, which is it. And you can start by making it easier, right? And we we do this in many ways. So how can I make it easier? I can I can offer it for free for my friends, for my family, a brother, sister, a parent, a child, right? So making it easier to fail in the eyes of others, but and then you'll find out usually that it's not a failure at all. And you can easily then make those applications to the greater group of people that you have contact with. Yeah. 100% times a hundred. <laughs> I can relate to it deeply. I, I remember my, I, I started my fitness professional journey working for a big corporate gym, luxury brand, international footprint. And I remember putting on my trainer uniform that first time and simultaneously feeling like I'd worked so hard to get to earn it mm -hmm. and also terrified because I was not worthy. Uh, and it's funny thinking back on that moment, I think of the in five weeks, the man who will be my husband uh, was the most experienced trainer in that gym. He yeah. was deeply respected by everyone. And I remember comparing myself to him and thinking, well, I, sh I shouldn't be wearing the same uniform as that guy. He's like a genius. <laughs> um, and I think you're, you're spot on first and just pointing out like nobody else has to be us to be good at what they do. Right. And right. like you said, the first responsibility, don't hurt anybody, but also that client is with you in that moment for a reason, right? They've got their journey. You don't have to know everything about human physiology and change process in order to know just enough more than that person that you can offer them something of value that they need right now. Agreed. And it doesn't have to be perfect because you're the one that's there with them in that moment. You're the one that they've reacted to in a positive way you're the one giving them an opportunity to learn something vital about themselves. So anybody who would compare themselves to you or compare themselves to anyone else, it's false because your client is the one looking at you in that moment, right? With, with appreciation and gratitude and, and also a genuine desire to grow and learn and do. 
Yeah. Well, even like your best friends, right? Like yeah. I, my best friends are not perfect. And that is part of the fun. <laughs> like it's not oh. wrong because they're not perfect. Sometimes it's, it's something else that brings something. It brings something else to the table. That's for sure. Well, I'm going to add to that, that I, you know, part of, part of how I coach, part of how I've always trained, part of how I am on the show is always to be really, really human. Um, you know, I was, preparing for, I'm going I'm to tease this week's episode, which is on self-compassion because I have been beating myself up for the last few mm. weeks. Uh, and in the episode, I, you know, I've prepped my notes. I'm going to tell a little story about my grandmother bringing up some deep stuff in me that I've spent the last few weeks trying to actively practice just being soft and kind to myself as I've been working through some stuff. Being human makes you accessible to anyone who's going to learn from you, because I think of all of the times that I've personally been repelled by someone who's putting out that false projection of absolute perfection. Like I probably mm -hmm. can't learn from that person right? because they're not going to understand the process that I'm in, in my life and living because, and my objective is not to be perfect. My objective is to be the most genuine Darlene I could possibly be. So be like a person, that. be a person with your people. <laughs> be real and authentic um, of which I've always found you to be I think it's part of the charm of of you and your show and I enjoy it very much and I am really really excited that you're going to be part of the NASM podcast network so welcome uh, thank you, thank uh, you. Darlene are there any uh, are there any closing remarks that you would like to leave us with as I want to be as respectful for your time and, and our producer's time as possible? So anything where you're like, all right, so show is coming. What, what do we need to know? I wasn't ready for that one, Rick. <laughs> uh, what do we need to know? Well, the episodes are going to be coming out on Thursdays on the NASM podcast networks. Uh, so YouTube and wherever you get, wherever you get your podcasts. And also just to lean into this idea that life is a process that includes fitness and also that wellness might not be some of the things that we are taught through social media marketing to think of wellness as. Mm -hmm. And my hope is to draw in people to keep an open mind and that there's a lot more evidence-based wellness information out there than you might realize. And that that mindset can be of a massive value, whether you are a fitness professional, a wellness professional, or just a person living your life, uh, evidence-based wellness is a thing. I love it. Evidence-based wellness. I'm looking forward to having you part of it, listening to your 100th episode, which will also be your first episode on the NASM podcast uh, network. Thank you so much for being with us, Darlene. If anybody wants to reach out to you, follow you on social, how might they do that? Uh, I'm on the gram. Instagram is at darlene.coach. My website is also darlene.coach. And you probably find me on LinkedIn. And feel free to ping me on any of those channels. Excellent. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for being here, listening, like, follow, subscribe, tell your fitness friends about the show and make sure they know about it. And then also 
take the time opportunity to tune in to Better Than Fine, Darlene Marshall's podcast. If you all have questions for me, you can reach out to me on Instagram at dr.rickritchie, or you can email me at rick.ritchie, R-I-C-H-E-Y, at nasm.org. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.